Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1946's It's a Wonderful Life, directed by Frank Capra and starring James Stewart and Donna Reed. It's Christmas time, Dave, so Mm -hmm. it's the Christmas episode. There you go. But before we get into this, we need to mention Dudes on Demand starts next month, next week, so... The slots are filling up quick. Get your demands in now and let us know what you want us to do. Yes. And um, like we said before, um, if you if you submit something and we don't select it for Dudes on Demand, you know, uh, stick around because it might end up just in our programming naturally. Um, and, you know, it, it, at some point we will do it. And um, also, like, if we, if we do select your movie and it's a movie that you really love... If we uh, have any kind of issues with it or whatever, <laughs> please stick around as well because we're just having a good time. Right, exactly. Um, so you can go to dudesonmovies.com slash demand and you can submit your requests that way or just hit us up on social media. That's all you guys got to do. Yes. All right, so now let's talk about what we've been watching, Dave. What have you been watching? Um, I saw the recently released movie uh, Dream Scenario starring Nicolas Cage. Ooh, I thought it looked pretty good. Yes, it is. I really enjoyed it. I, I had a great time watching it. Um, the movie, obviously, it tells the story of, of the phenomenon uh, in which a, a non-famous college professor begins showing up in the dreams of about half the population. Um, it's really funny in parts. It's also really disturbing in others. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll just tell you that this movie features one of the most hilarious and awkward scenes ever filmed. All right. It's just like a towering amount of embarrassment. I... I and, and I mean, like, you'll know it when you see it. Um, I won't give it away, but yeah, when you get there, you'll know. So enjoy yourself. All right, man. Yeah, yes. it's on my list. Um, <laughs> I caught a movie, a, a nice comfort movie. You know, I was wrapping presents. Oh, yeah. So I turned on Home Alone, spent some time with everyone's favorite little sociopath, <laughs> Kevin McAllister. <laughs> little shit. Yep. So I don't think we've ever done Home Alone on nope. the show, but we've talked about Kevin McAllister quite a few times. Yes, we've made um, plenty of references to him. <laughs> it's I love this movie. Grew up on it. it. I always watch it around the holidays. And yes. I was like, I need. I always throw something on while wrapping presents. I was like, you know, Home Alone. I can throw that on. You know, yeah. I'd like a digital copy of it. And I'm like, you know, just turn it on the TV real quick. And it's a nice comfort movie for me. Right. Yeah. So Home Alone, everybody. It's so weird too that you can have movies on in the background if you've seen them enough times. Yeah, I you can know. just, like, visualize it, you right. know? Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, all right, Dave, now it's time to talk about another Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Yes. Uh, so, obviously, this is one of the most well-known and most loved American films ever made, and it tells the story of George Bailey, a man who who gives up the life he always dreamed of to help his community. And it teaches us about the importance of people taking care of one another. And in many ways, it's an American answer to Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol, because it touches on similar themes. It's played a lot at Christmas time, and it's a classic for good reason. It's also got other things going for it, which I'll explain in more detail. Um, and a word of warning, uh, I have to warn Scott as well, my <laughs> podcasting partner. Um, I promise not to turn this show into 90 minutes of me preaching about socialism. Uh <laughs> But just to warn you ahead of time, (laughs) it's going to come up a time or two because I think that the movie makes one of the best cinematic arguments about us needing a new way of doing things. And I might get animated sometimes, so I just want to prepare everybody. You know, I think everybody loves when you get animated. Oh, wonderful. It's it's always a highlight of the show, I I believe. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Uh Okay, good. Yeah, and a lot of people think of this as a Christmas movie because it takes place around Christmas time, or at least like some of the main parts do at the end of the movie. The end of the movie. Um, So... But it's not just a Christmas movie. It's about 
a, a person. Yes. You know, Christmas doesn't have much to do with it. I know that the reason it became such a Christmas classic had to do with like the whole copyright issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like in 1974, the copyright expired and TV networks just started airing it around Christmas time because yeah. it had Christmas in it and people started like responding to it and loving it. It just became this like beloved classic. And that's really where it started to get the popularity that it does that it has today was based on that. Like uh, just the copyright running out and people like, you know, picking up <laughs> cheap programming, which is amazing because it's, it's truly a classic movie. It is. I never, I didn't grow up with it though. Personally, like I caught it later in life. Yeah. I'd seen clips of it, you know, like, Oh Me yeah, too. that's that movie. Yeah, I know. I didn't grow up with it. Either, yeah. So. But it is a great film. Yeah. It is good. Um, and it opens up. I always forget about the gods that are solar systems that are talking to each other. Yes, I know. I always forget about this. <laughs> right. So the movie opens up with picture of outer space. Yeah. And a star is flashing and talking. And it's apparently it's like God and Joseph and all the, like all these other Christian figures. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's that's what I can never... I, I, I should have looked this up, but, mm-hmm. but I... Is it Joseph the 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 father of Jesus? Is that who this is supposed I, to I'm be? I'm assuming. Okay, because I don't know of any angels named Joseph. At least as far as like just just from my Sunday school classes, I never heard of that. Right. But it might just might just be an angel though named Joseph. It could be. There's got to be right. Yeah. I mean, at, at some you got point. Steve, <laughs> Bob, right. exactly, and Clarence, Dell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph. All the dad names. There's yeah. a Randy in there, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Um, and they're talking to this other angel who's another star that's blinking. His name's Clarence saying, hey, you know, we got to watch George Bailey. We got to help him out, you know. And there's all these voices of people praying for George. And that's kind of how it opens. Yes. And, and the stars respond to the prayers, basically. Right. And Clarence is an angel who doesn't have his wings yet. And that's a big thing with this movie. Um, so they send Clarence down to help, but first they got to show him like the highlight reels of George Bailey's life, right? And that's what we see. And it's so crazy because, like, in many ways, God, at least as portrayed in this movie, has the same power as Mister Potter, in that like he could change things, <laughs> um, he could make your life better, really, at any time he wants, and he just chooses not to. You I know? guess so. Um, and he's a much nicer person. He's a much nicer figure, I guess. He yeah. doesn't make you, you know, want to kill him. But, like, he has the ability to to <laughs> make you happy, and he just doesn't do he it. He should, right? Right. I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of Zeus in Clash of the Titans. It's yes. Like, All right, so why don't you just do something to fix it? I mean, you... No, if, you're not. If it's in your yeah. power, what, what, what would it hurt you? It, it wouldn't change anything, and, you know, all your followers would worship you even harder. I, I mean, guess he's trying to get him to make the right decision on his own free will. Right. Like, that's what's happening. But then he's also saying, Clarence, push him a little bit, you know? I I know. Make him make him understand. And he does. And George makes every decision for the good of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And he's always doing the right thing. He's always, you know, he's putting others before himself. Right. Yes. You know, and when a guy does that for 40 years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like, he might snap. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you got to give him something. Yeah. Okay. So what happens? All right. I guess we're jumping right to the end. Sure. Yeah. You know. Right. So if he does kill himself at the end of this movie, <laughs> right. everyone's devastated, right? Because yes, everybody course. loves George, right? Yes. But if he doesn't kill himself, then what? Does he just hate his life still? I mean, if it, it seems like he understands how important what he's doing is. Yes. But is he still gonna, you know, have that chip on his shoulder? You think? You know, after after the 
the joy of the ending right. is through, and he's back to listening to his kid practice bad piano all day. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. is he just going to crack again? Uh, no, I, I, okay. don't th- I don't think he is. I, I think after this, the, the outpouring of, of like the love that the town shows him uh-huh. um, and combine that with like him having seen, you know, the alternate timeline. Um, I, I think that he's back to the George Bailey. Everybody knew. OK. You know, and he because he truly is the nicest man who ever lived. He just like he has a snap because like he's his reward for all this kindness is a prison sentence. And now that that's not going to happen, he's going to be George again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> right. Good night, everybody. Good night. That's the podcast. We jumped right to the end. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we see him when he's a kid and the first event of his selflessness is he saves his brother's life. Right. Yeah. Harry falls into the frozen pond and George dives right in to save him. Yes. You know, doesn't have any regard for his own well-being. He's like, I got to help that kid. That's my brother. Right. It's just from day one. He's just always this selfless. And he even gets... He, his his hearing goes away in one ear because of this, you right. know? Like, he sacrificed, not just risked his life, he actually did sacrifice part of his physical well-being. It's yes. gone forever. And I love, uh, it's, a, it's a cool thing in old movies. I, I've seen it used other places where, like, he calls it his trick ear. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, trick like, ear? I mean, he's now, like, fully disabled. And he calls <laughs> right? it his trick yeah, ear. <laughs> he's on Medicare, probably, because <laughs> right. of his damn ear. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's the first act he does, and um, right. so even as a, a boy, he he can't hear. Yep. And so he has a job, and we see him working with Mister Gower, who's kind of like the the drugstore owner. Yep. And like coke shop owner. Yeah. You know, the, the soda jerk. Yeah. He's, so he's got a job as a soda jerk, and we meet Mary as a little girl, and Mary's the love interest of the movie, yes. right? And this is the first time you get to see her being really creepy. She leans over to George and says, I will love you until the day I die. It's a hell of a declaration. Yeah, right. Man. I mean, and does he not hear her, though? Because it's he doesn't his trick ear. Right. Yeah, right. Yes. She even asks him beforehand. As well. Oh, my God. What? what? It, she, so she wants to wear his skin, this little girl. <laughs> she's crazy, man. I think she's a sicko. <laughs> she's, she's some kind of psycho. Oh, man. <laughs> it's supposed to be this kind of really sweet um yeah moment. it is and yeah because she's like sort of hissing it into his <laughs> trick ear <laughs> it does come off as a little bit weird yeah whatever <laughs> it is it is sweet it you is. Can t- she loves him right you know and and she's also like um she's competing for george's attention with uh with violet yeah um, you know, who is like a, a little more forward than, than Mary. Right. Um, and it, it's hard to tell who George prefers at this time. I, I think he's just like kind of grateful for any, for every bit of attention he gets. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're 12 years old, I was about it's, to say. yeah, it's, that's <laughs> how it is. He's a 12 year old boy. Any exactly. girl who's talking to him. All right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now he's got two sitting there who are like just, just there to see him. Uh huh. You know, quite a, quite yeah. an amazing Violet's moment. very upfront about things. She is. She, yeah. I love it. She asks him to like help her down from the chair and he's like, help you down. And just George is very forward. Also, he is like he speaks his mind. I know. Even when he's kind of being dense. Yeah. Like because anybody, I mean, like an adult, if given this invitation, be like, oh, well, sure. okay, yeah. You know, I know what this is about. But yeah, he's a little kid. Doesn't understand that. It's like it's she's flirting with you, George, you Uh know. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And and another thing he does is he doesn't deliver these pills for Mr. Gower. Right. Because he knows Mr. Gower has 
like poisoned the pills because he's not in the right state of mind because yes. his son has died in the war and stuff. So he doesn't deliver these pills and he ends up taking a beating for it, even though he knew he probably would because he didn't do what he was supposed to. But he right. did that because he didn't want to, you know, be part of some murder. He didn't want to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, and the idea, too, that like Mr. Gower, like just I mean, I know this was part of like. A, a kid's life in the early 20th century it was like you could just get slapped around by adults yeah. even if they weren't your parents yep um i th- this this must have been something that gower has done previously oh yeah andy's you know? his boss so he's probably rightfully so able to smack his employee it, it, ab- absolutely that's you just know? what he in, that's what you in like 1919, to do 1919 that's what you do you had that right <laughs> you know <laughs> He should have formed a union. <laughs> yes, that that's why unions were formed. <laughs> right? I, just exactly what George <laughs> Bailey's treatment here. You know, you had to go out and start like, you know, oh my God, start speaking truth. And I guess God and Joseph and Clarence and Ralph and all the guys up there are just watching this, letting it happen. I'm watching a kid get slapped around by his boss. And like, I know Mr. Gower tenderly, you know, embraces him at the end of right. this. And, you know, and but like, it's so... You, you, you just are almost in tears when, when little George is like, please don't hit my ear again. Right. Oh, God. When he says that, it like it hurts my soul. It like, does, I'm like, man. dude. Exactly. He's a little kid. Man, you're beating this kid and Ridiculous. his ear is bleeding. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude. Like, he's the best kid in town. Yeah. And you're treating him this way. Yep. Really sucks. That's how good he is. Like, you got to keep him in line, Dave. You know, you want him to stay that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's dude, and they fought like this until like I was born, essentially. I mean I I just got in, you know, at the at the tail right. end of it, you know. Oh man. Um and he's even mentioning during here like he's gonna travel the world because he's got a National Geographic magazine and yeah. all this stuff, and he's got big dreams. He's gonna have like two or three harems and four or five lives, you know. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's Man, Lord Almighty, with that line, I'm gonna have a few harems. Yeah. Amazing. I'm gonna live it up. <laughs> and and then we go to like his adult life, and we see where he is now. You know, yeah. and now we got Jimmy Stewart. Yep. And he's great in this movie. You know, and Jimmy Stewart. I mean, yep. he's good in all kinds of stuff, but I feel like this one is a huge one for like the cultural yeah. impact he had on this one. On and the world, Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith yeah. for sure was yes. a huge one. But like, anytime you see like an impression of. James Stewart, it's it's from like this movie. I know, it, it, it really, yeah, exactly. Like it is indelible, and because uh, yeah, people don't really like do his lines from Rope, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, even or, though it's great, it, it's yeah. it's this. You don't hear a lot of Rear Window. You no, know. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Nobody's like, hey, <laughs> let, me, let me favor you with man who shot Liberty Valance. It's yes. it's like no, we're we're gonna do George Bailey. Yeah. Because he he created something that's like uniquely. Um, only he can do it. Only he, he can play this part. He's such like a good-hearted person yeah. that I think everyone wants to be him in a way. He's, yeah. he's the everyman that we all want to strive to be. I I hope that that people in this country, you know, aspire to George Bailey. That would make our society near perfect mm-hmm. if if people actually did f- treat each other this way. If if they if they, you know, like pattern their life after the teachings of George Bailey. And Jimmy Stewart obviously, like you said, he's an excellent actor. And he has a reputation for, like you said, being this accessible everyman. I think that's why his deterioration in this movie is so tough to watch. Yeah. Like toward the end. Yeah, definitely. Like when he's really, you know, coming apart. Um, yeah, and he has a few moments like that sprinkled throughout the movie, but yes. it, he never goes over the deep end until the end of the movie. Right, you know? so. right. Um, but yeah, he's he's now like, uh, he's ready to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been working at his dad's, at, at the building and loan, um, and... 
his his dad runs this uh, this this small concern that is like you know uh, providing people homes and uh, giving them like afford like loans that they can afford. Right. He even says something to Mr. Potter later in the movie, like, "Why should everyone have to save up five thousand dollars to get a house?" Like back back when this movie takes place, you know, that's a fortune. That's an insane amount of money. Yeah. He, he makes like $40 a week or something, he says right. at one point. <laughs> right. Imagine saving $5,000 if you make $40 a week. Um, yeah, I, I looked it up and it was, it was, it was roughly uh, like 200 grand, you know, like yeah. $5,000. I mean, and, and it is. And, and I'm glad you, th- th- this part here, um, I've never done this before, but I think it, It's a Wonderful Life calls for it. This speech that George makes, you know, um, I just want to read it in its entirety. Okay. 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 Let's do it. Um, it's Mr. P- it's him talking to Mr. Potter. He says, just a minute, just a minute. Now, hold on, Mr. Potter. You're right. When you say my father was no businessman, I know that why he ever started this cheap penny, any building and loan. I'll never know, but neither you nor anyone else can say anything against his character because his whole life was why in the 25 years since he and his brother, uncle Billy started this thing. He never once thought of himself. Isn't that right? Uncle Billy. He didn't save enough money to send Harry away to college, let alone me. But he did help out few people will get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Why, here, you're all businessmen here. Doesn't it make you better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? Yeah, you said, wait, what'd you say a minute ago? They had to wait and save their money before they even thought to own a decent home? Well, wait, wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that they... Well, do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? And just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Is it too much to ask that they have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, my father died a much richer man than you'll ever be. Scene. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate speech, it. Good yes. performance. Yeah. Thank you. It's, yeah. It just, and that, that speech yeah. has everything in it to me, you know, of what George Bailey's all about. It does. And it's the first time you really see him step up, like, farther than he ever expected to or ever wanted to, really. Yes. Because this this all happens before he's supposed to go to college. I know. Um, we haven't gotten there. We skipped over some stuff, but, right. like... This is the first huge sacrifice he makes that he actually is conscious of of him doing. Yes. Um, and he's doing it in a room full of like uh, of the richest people in. Oh, yeah. In the state, really. They're all like bank board members and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they and they have like other businesses, too, just yeah. other interests. And Mr. Potter is like uh, Lionel Barrymore's character, Mr. Potter, mm-hmm. the, the villain of the film. He is. uh like he he's trying to get controlling interest in it because he wants to he wants to do away with the building and loan yeah so that everybody has to come to him for for their home loans yep and uh, he's he's telling them all and he he's got the right idea too of like it's not just that that giving people affordable homes it's also um, he's trying to entreat to the to the other business people in the uh, room don't you want them to spend their money at your place. He, because he's not just dressing down Mr. Potter. He's 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 asking them a reasonable question, which is like your businesses depend on customers having enough money to purchase your goods and services. So wouldn't it be better if they didn't have to worry so much about paying an outrageous amount of money just to put a roof over their head? Yep. 
you know, um, if we could still have a free market, but also make sure people's most basic human needs are met, you know, it sounds very similar to stuff going on today. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes. This movie has much to say, even about our current situation. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I'm currently saving for a house myself, and yes, I don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> I know, because I mean, like, what the heck? at what point do you get to two hundred thousand dollars? I don't know, man. I, yeah, do, can you even conceive of having that much well, money? My in your children bank will be long gone after that. Exactly. You know? Yes. Right. Yes. Thanks, Just Mr. Like, Potter. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but before this scene, we get to see adult George, or I guess he's. College age, 18, 19, yeah, yeah. maybe He's 20. supposed to be like 22 because he said that yeah, he... Yeah, he did four years yes. working for his dad. Yes, right? after high so school. So he's about 22. So he goes to his younger brother's high school graduation, Harry, who he saved earlier in the film. Yep. And he's at the graduation party at the high school, and he sees Mary, and she looks at him like, wow, now's my chance to skin you. <laughs> and he go- <laughs> he starts dancing with her, you know? And... <laughs> And it's a big scene where he he like steals her from her date, right? And this guy's jealous of George, George Bailey. Um, and the one guy tells him, hey, you know, if you open the, the floor to the gym, there's a pool and everyone will fall in or George will fall in because he's dancing right on the opening. You know? Right, right. So he, he does it and the floor starts to open and everyone's dancing still like and it's not just george who was right there like everyone was right there like this guy's gonna commit murder (laughs) because he's mad he lost his girl (laughs) but uh everyone's dancing and everyone stops except like george and mary which is just ridiculous and the band is still playing (laughs) while i know it's a movie everybody right it's a movie but the band doesn't stop playing Dude. When this horrible accident is occurring, <laughs> this, this is this is the best damn high school party there's ever, I know, ever right? been thrown. I mean, you know, it's it's like, you know, and to watch like Jimmy Stewart <laughs> and Donna Reed like like just really cutting a rug here, They're doing the Charleston, yeah, yeah, and and like it's it's pretty it's pretty good stunt work, you yeah. know, because like this really is an amazing piece of like machinery that that's underneath their feet, the yeah. the, the, the floor that opens to reveal a, an Olympic sized swimming pool, yeah, um, and they had this in 1946 apparently, pretty right? cool, amazing, you know, and it's an unbroken take of them dancing and yeah. like like teetering close to the edge and then like making sure not to even look behind them because they, right. they make it look like okay George yep. and Mary don't know that's there, but they're they, they never miss a beat and like. Their, their Charleston is still really, you know, adroit. Yeah, they're but, doing good. Exactly. Um, <laughs> un, until they're not supposed to. And right. uh, yeah, they fall in and everybody just jumps in. I know. Because it's They keep like, dancing when they fall in the water. Yes, exactly. Which is awesome. It's, yeah, they, they, know, they don't miss it at all. They don't get mad. They're like, oh no, he finally got revenge on me. Right. No, yes. I'm, I fell in the water. I'm having a good time. <laughs> right. And then everyone jumps in and starts dancing in the water with them. Uh-huh. You know, all their cell phones are ruined. <laughs> Yes. So <laughs> it comes to mind when you watch the first thing Isn't you think is like, oh man, I should empty my pockets. It's actually kind of sad. It really is. Um, They're just living their lives, all these people. Right, yeah. They're having a good time. And so. Jimmy Stewart has one of my favorite lines in the movie before the pool happens is um, mm-hmm. is when he walks over to, to Donna Reed and uh, he like just cuts in because she was talking to that guy. Yeah. And the guy's like, you know, uh, well, hey, what I was talking, he goes, oh, why don't you stop annoying people? <laughs> I love that. I was like, God damn, that's great. Like, okay, hey. That you're nothing. 
I'm Jimmy Stewart. I'm six foot nine. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> you know, great. I was like, that's awesome. George Bailey is like a larger than life figure, though, in the he movie. Is. Like, everyone worships this guy. Right. I love him. Right. And he's not like the star of the football team or anything. He's just this good guy. He's just somebody that everybody responds to, and and rightly so, because it's like he's he's. Um, people are drawn to him because of his personality. I guess, but isn't he kind of an asshole too? He just stole Mary from this guy. Well, I don't know. I mean, but the guy's an asshole. Like, like yeah. his his instead of like uh, just kind of. I mean, I don't know. Maybe George was wrong. To say. <laughs> Maybe I, I shouldn't be like so proud of him for saying, oh, why don't you stop annoying people? But right. it was just very funny to me, especially the way Jimmy Stewart does deliver right. the line. But I think that guy was kind of a drip. It got, he you probably know? was. Yeah. Like, it's like in Back to the Future, George McFly, you know? Yeah. You're like, scram McFly. Exactly. I, yeah. It's the same so, guy. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's um, it, it really actually did remind me of that a lot. Um, yeah. A lot of things in this movie remind me of Back to the Future. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> And like when they're teetering on the edge of that swimming pool, it reminded me a lot of like Charlie Chaplin blindfolded roller skating, yes, you know? Yes. Like I know that was, you know, movie magic that wasn't a real cliff he was sure. skating by, but right. it's just as intense. Like, oh man, you're getting real close to that. I know. And in this one, yeah, it, it actually is, I guess it's more real than the Charlie Chaplin thing because yeah, yeah they could fall in. Even if like, <laughs> I, I don't know how far that drop was, but it looked pretty far. Oh man. What you if know? they landed on their head? I know. Head first. Exactly. And and it's 1946. There's no IOTC back then. I mean, no, nobody's... no safety commission. Exactly. Nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, dude. I guess the dance ends with a pool party. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and and like yeah, the, everybody just jumps in, and it's time. And I'm sure that that someone spiked the punch at some point. Um, you know that there's like it. It's back then. There's there's it, you could like start drinking when you were 12. Oh yeah, I'm sure Sam poured something in there. You know? Yes, no question. Um, so now we get a scene of them walking home, right? And this is a real famous scene. Yes, they're singing Buffalo Gal, won't you come home tonight? Something like that. Come out tonight. Come out tonight. Yeah. And uh, they're having a great time together. Yeah. They got dry clothes they stole from like the locker room, you know, <laughs> yes. which is great. <laughs> I love Jimmy Stewart's like uh, Leatherheads ensemble. Yes. He, That's yeah, really he's cool. Like, he's like, it doesn't suit me to be a football player for right. sure. Um, <laughs> he's dressed like Jim Thorpe. <laughs> but they're singing and having a great time. <laughs> Jim Thorpe, man. <laughs> they're singing and having a great time and they're having a wonderful date, Yeah, you know, walking back home and... Uh, they stop and throw rocks at this mansion to make wishes, you know, and Jimmy Stewart gets Donna Reed to throw one and they both make a wish. He wishes that he could leave and do what he wants around the world, you know, mm -hmm. and so she makes a wish and doesn't tell him what it is, which we find out <laughs> later is that I want your hopes and dreams to die so that you could marry me and I can turn you into a lamp. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Where are you getting that, like, Donna, <laughs> that Mary is, like, a David Fincher character? <laughs> when did this start? I don't know. When when you whisper in someone's ear that you'll love them until the day you die. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah, she's trying to possess him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's true. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really pushing this for humor's sake. I got but, it. Like, I got it, yeah. It is there. She is being kind of selfish about things. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, I don't think she is a, a fully selfish person. She no. just really likes this guy, yeah. you know? Like, she was smitten from the day she was born. Like, this is this is my guy. Right. And I guess if she can't have him, she won't have him. But if she can have him, she really wants that. Right. And it's, it's amazing kind of just because over the next, like, eight years, apparently, like, she doesn't take up with anybody else. Yeah, because um, like only George will do, 
And um and it's weird because like she's as much a catch as he is, obviously. Right, yeah. Um like the whole town wants to be with Mary. Um just yeah. like they want to be with George, you know. I love at the end when they show her as like an old spinster. Like oh I'm like, oh my gosh, Donna Reed is so ugly now. I know, they put exa- glasses I mean, they on put her and she works at the library. <laughs> oh, just, Are you kidding me? That is outrageous. I mean, I, I the, wouldn't I, you just want to be hanging out in that library with Donna <laughs> Reed? Lord. Come on. I, I mean, she somehow <laughs> got hotter in that. Scene. I'm just like looking at all like in there, passing it off as, oh my god, she's hideous. And yeah, it's like, right. No, 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 no. Her life is ruined. <laughs> She reads books all day. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the other part of it. Exactly. Like she never married and she's a spinster. I was like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Oh yeah. That sucks. (laughs) And then this scene also, when they're walking home, he, this is when he tells her, if you want, you want the moon, I'll lasso the moon for you. Uh You know? Yep. Um, and then the one guy on the porch (laughs) is listening to everything and says, just kiss her already. You know? Boy, talk about your Fincher creeps. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like this guy, like who's you know who who telling him to kiss her. Uh, come on, you kiss that lady. Come on, kiss the girl. Do you, do you know who who we are? What if that's my sister? I know. You know exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, and talking about, uh, and he's gonna sit there and watch you. That's that's really gross. <laughs> that guy in that's his really white gross. beater on his exactly. porch is felt. Oh man, it's it's really scary. <laughs> and then Jimmy Stewart's like, oh, well, I'll show you kissing like you've never seen." It's like, "Dude, don't don't encourage this cuz this guy's going to try to get in on this." Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and then Donna reads in this like bathrobe. Yeah. Apparently nothing underneath. Yeah. Just a bathrobe. Yep. Yep. And so they, he accidentally steps on the the little drawstring thing and it pulls it off and what? she's naked in the bush. Yes. And he is he going to give her the robe back? And then in a huge dick move, <laughs> says, now, wait a minute. You know, and starts teasing her about it. I, I get it. I, it is kind of funny. It is. I don't think he's really going to torture her. No. He's just kind of having a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, he's just. If she started to really freak out, he'd probably give it to her. In a second. Yeah. yeah. This this whole thing is just kind of like, this is a sexy, flirtatious situation. Right. Yeah. You know? It is a little sexy. Sexy. Yes. And he's even like, oh, maybe I'll sell tickets. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's trying to think of what he should do. Right. Um, but then a car comes up. A car pulls up. They're screaming and shouting, George, your dad, he had a stroke. We right. got to go. And he tosses that robe right on the bush like, all right, yep. here you go, Mary. It's over. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and he's out of there. And that's the end of the, the fun date. Right. And like his life takes a completely different trajectory now because like he's he's found out that his, his father has passed away and he now has to kind of like settle the affairs of the building and loan. Right. Um, he doesn't have the, he still has the intention of like doing all the traveling that he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, that was what his life was going to be. Right. He's just um, postponed it a week or something exactly. to, yes. to take care of things. Yes. And then he has to like, when he's trying to like settle everything. And this is when he gives that big speech exactly. that you read. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He has to then realize that uncle Billy's not going to be able to cut this. You yeah. know, he can't run this thing on his own. And, um, the only person who can like step in, who knows the business is George himself. Right. His big speech ended up convincing all the committee to vote Potter down. Yes. You know, yes, that's so right. that they won't just dissolve the building alone. Right. But only on one condition if George stays and he and he takes over. Yeah, and uh... so now George is in a pickle here. Like, all right, well, do I do this for the building alone, which is important to so many people? I just gave this passionate speech about yep. that I actually truly do believe. Yep. Or am I going to go and do something for George for once. And he decides to stay. Yep. 
and it's like it's kind of just the the, the first in a long line of, of of giving up what he wants for um, the betterment of others. Right, and he gives his college money to Harry, who just graduated. Who the the plan was? George goes to college now. Harry will work yep. for four years, and yep. then he'll go to college. Right, uh, but not anymore. He gives the college money to Harry. Harry goes off to college, comes a big football star and everything, and has a wonderful life. Yes, that could have been George's, but it's not. And he makes a deal that, like, you know, when he gets out of college, he's going to come back and run the building in loan, and then George will go to college. Yep. You know, finally he gets to go. Yeah. So we get a, a homecoming now. You yep. know, it's four years later yep. or whatever, you know. Yep. And Harry's finally coming back home. George is excited. Uncle Billy's excited. Everyone's, you know, they're going to see Harry again. Right. And he shows up with a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's kind of dumbfounded. Yep. Like, what? Yep. Um. It's actually a really funny scene because they're at the train station, George and Uncle Billy, and Harry gets off and then introduces his wife. I think her name's Ruth. And uh, they're all like, what? Uh, what? And then uh, they're like, oh, nice to meet you. And then they're like, wait a minute. What am I saying? You're yeah. married? I, Hell yeah. yeah like, was this good, is awesome. I know. Cool but then they get excited for real. Like, you should. Yes. You know. Um, they were and being it's really very, sweet. I know. They were being really formal for some reason. And then they just yeah. kind of like all of a sudden realize, oh, wait a second, you know? Yeah. Why are we acting like this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> this hey, is amazing. Exactly. Congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and they have a big old party. Yep. Which is sweet. Yes. Um, and like before they get to the party, there's a, a, a moment for George again um, where he finds out from uh, George's new wife that, that uh, like, or from Harry's new wife that Harry's been offered a job. Yeah, and he's in Buffalo. Yes, glass factory, and it looks like he's going to take it. And George is like, just like he stops. It just stops him completely. He physically stops on the train. Yeah, like, you can oh my see God. his like face just kind of drop. Yes. like man, that means nothing for me again. Yep, you know. Yep, and we see the party. Everyone's having a good time. Even George is having a blast at the party. Uh, but he's out front, and he's. Uncle Billy is completely wasted, oh, yeah. and he has to yeah. like tell him which way to walk to go home. <laughs> yes. um, and then, in a wonderful scene, George is out there alone, and he's just thinking about everything. And right. it's the way Jimmy Stewart expresses this without words is great. We talked about how great his acting is. This yeah. is some of the, his finest in the film. I know, and it's not even him talking. And we know George Bailey for talking, right? <laughs> I know exactly, and we know Jimmy Stewart for talking. Yeah, like his his voice is one of his his best features. You know, yes, it is. Yeah, he he can act without doing anything, and like you know exactly what he's thinking. It's all over his face, and then he has another like to to kind of cap off this this great piece of acting. His mother comes out, mm-hmm. and they have a great scene together. Yeah, she kind of tells him, "Hey, you know, Mary's in town." Uh, and he's like, well, I thought she was in New York or whatever. And she's like, she got back three days ago. Yes. You know? And tells him, you know, you should go over there. You should see her. She's the kind of girl that can help you find the answers. <laughs> Which is cool. I like that. Great. I like that line. Yeah, cool. It's really cool. Because cool. mom knows what's up. I know. And uh, Beulah Bondi is the, is the actress who plays uh, Mrs. Bailey. And she's just fantastic in this scene. I mean, like you said, she knows what's up. Mm-hmm. And she knows exactly what to say to him. She's been wanting to tell him to go and like, you know, go after Mary for probably 10 years now. Right. You know, um, but and she finally realized this is the right time. Yeah. You know. And George, I think, has always really liked Mary, especially yeah. since that high school date where they were walking before yes. the emergency with his dad. Like if that hadn't happened, like he'd probably still go to college. But I mean, he's obviously been thinking about Mary. Right. Since then. Right. 
So he doesn't want to go over there, and she pushes him too, and he's like, okay. And then he starts to walk that way, and then he walks the other way, and he goes into town. <laughs> and I guess ta- the town's like jumping tonight, you know? Yeah. Everyone's out yeah. there, and we see Violet, who's like just this like knockout dame, you yes, know? It's Gloria Graham in 1946, <laughs> dude, dude. I know, right? <laughs> yep. And, uh, She's like got two guys like fawning all on her, like, and she's like, "Hold on, fellas, I might have a date. Stick around in case it doesn't pan out." And they're like, "All right, Violet." They agree to it. They just agree. We'll stay here as your second and third options. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And the chance that you might come back and pick one of us. (laughs) So she goes and tries to get a date with George, and he's he like agrees to it actually he's like hey me and you we can do it you know let's go and she's like what are we gonna do and he says all these like really great like romantic ideas (laughs) like passionate ideas we can walk in the grass with our shoes off and up up to the mountain and look at the stars and Uh she's like i ain't walking in the grass with no shoes on like (laughs) and then the whole town laughs at him (laughs) (laughs) they all gather around in his front he's like circled by these dudes (laughs) and everyone's laughing at him for for having these amazing date ideas, I know they all think he's they they all think his ideas are terrible, and I'm like like I, there's just no romance in these people, you know exactly R- I don't really know. weird. Um, so then he actually does go to Mary's house, yes, and he's feeling even worse than before because of I guess being humiliated in the town square. Yeah, and he and he comes in kind of in the wrong humor, you know, right? Um, because like he was going over there, it, it, the plan was to have him go over there and start, you know, like like making a play for mm-hmm. uh for mary and instead he is kind of in a bad mood now yeah and uh you know mary sees him coming up the the walk and she's really excited and she puts on buffalo gals yeah she invites him in and she's being very friendly even though he's being standoffish and weird yeah um and he keeps like 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 kind of uh gesturing toward the door like he wants to leave yeah and he's looking at his watch and and um He's being very put offish. Yes, you know yes. he doesn't want to be there. Right, it's the body language he's giving her. And I and no matter how many times I watch this movie, I the whole thing with with Violet notwithstanding, like I don't know what his problem is. If if, if it just looks so good that he can't take it, you know, yeah. like the situation with Mary, it's like yeah, this would be so perfect. And like I know that like often we we reject love when it's like put right in front of us mm-hmm. because we're scared of it. I I mean. Yeah. But when you're when you're watching someone do it, oh man, you just want to slam their head because it's like God, get get in I there, know, right? you know? What are you doing? I I don't know what he's. I, I know I understand he's in a bad mood. Yeah, like Violet rejected him publicly. Right. His brother is not going to stick to the plan, so now he's screwed working at the bank building alone again. Yes. Like, so he's having a rough night. Yeah, of course. But you're going to go hang out with Donna Reed, who's just smitten I, by you, I know. I and mean, you can't have it? You, you, can't, you just can't take it? You, you can't <laughs> ask for, like, a better scenario for, for to, like, lift your spirits that's, than this. That's why your mom said, go over there. Exactly. A, a gorgeous, intelligent woman who loves you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, what more do you want, George? Maybe he's afraid of her. He doesn't I mean, want to die. It's <laughs> there is that. That's right. <laughs> she does put out that drawing she made of yes. George lassoing the moon. That's true. You're right. That was she kind used of human blood. Oh to my make. god, that was very BTK of her. You're right. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, but you're right. Uh, like he sees it and he says, "Some joke, huh?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You can't just be like, oh, hey, that's great. I mean, what, Come on, George. I mean, oh, my God. She made a reference to something that happened four years ago. She made a drawing of it. Like, I, 
uh, yeah. yeah, and he's just like being very argumentative. Yeah. And another great thing about the scene is that Mary's mom is like upstairs <laughs> and she's like butting in. Yes. She's like, Mary, what's going on down there? <laughs> and there was one point where she says, he's making furious love to me. That line He's making violent love violent to me, love. mother. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can't believe that got past the Breen office. Right? Holy crap! Yeah, you know, it's pretty good. Wow. And they talk about suicide in the yes. movie. Like, yes. I, who knows? I don't know. I mean, like Frank Capra must have had considerable power. He must know? have. Yes. Or a lot of money that he could pay off. That's the, right. Yeah. Some some palms were getting greased. I'm sure. Oh man. Yep. But ultimately, it it turns. <sighs> So, like, Sam, her, the other kind of quote-unquote love interest. He on. He Mary, on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, like, their buddies from high school and uh-huh. stuff. And so he's he's vying, he's been vying for Mary, you know. Right. So he's in New York, and he's going to call her tonight. So he calls her as George is getting ready to leave, and she's talking on the phone to Sam, and she's so mad at George that she just starts, like, acting like Sam is the only person she wants to talk to right now. Right. Like she is doing it to make George jealous yes. and she is laying it on thick. Yes. Like, Oh Sam, Hey, I've just been waiting for you to call all night. I couldn't wait to talk to you. Uh, Things like that. Sam, and, this poor dope. <laughs> I know. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and she says, George is there and Sam wants to talk to George and he's like, I don't want to talk to him, you know? So then they get on the phone together. Uh huh. They have the like receiver because an old timey phone, you know, like between their <laughs> you ears. Can just put and it stuff. between you, yeah. Yep. So, and they're listening to Sam talk about like getting into the plastics industry or some crap like this, <laughs> yes. you know, that they don't care much about at all. And their heads are so close together, and it's a really tight shot of their two faces right up against each other. And it's great acting because they're both feeling the chemistry yes. as they're this close, yes. and they really are attracted to each other. And they got Sam yapping away on this little receiver between the <laughs> ear. But they're pretty much just ignoring it and trying not... You know, it's like when you have two magnets that are going to stick together and you're trying to hold them apart. That's what this is. That's what chemistry is, man. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and when it's there, um, it's undeniable. And, you know, it, it, it's so cool to watch them finally just kind of give into it. Yeah. Um, they, they, get it, they do this really passionate production code kiss you know <laughs> yes exactly where they like kind of touch lips and then like hug well it's you so know? weird i know because yeah. like after two seconds the embrace happens yeah and then they kiss again and two seconds later it's back to really hard hugs yeah you know and and at one really point, hard hugs <laughs> yes, i love that right <laughs> um and at one point too it's like this is where where like uh george bailey gets a little scary he grabs uh like harry know, right by the arms and and, and like like starts shaking her a little bit and like he's saying you know i i i, I want to travel the world i want to do all this stuff and and yeah i, you know, I don't want anything to do with plastic ex- yes like, he right. yells that at one point yes. <laughs> i want to do what i want to do yes yes i don't want to get married i don't want yeah right and then he kisses her again <laughs> it, it's it's pretty pretty strange his uh, it, it's definitely yeah. mixed signals he's he's giving here um, I, I think that he he's wanted to to kiss Mary like this for a long time, but yeah. like he also has the whole thing of like the I guess when you have these dreams of like traveling the world, it never occurred to him that he would bring somebody else. Yeah, you know that's true. Yeah. Um, which the dream still exists, and he can do this with somebody else, um, except for what happens next. Right. So after this, it cuts to them being married. Yep. 
You know, um, I'm, I'm assuming it's a, a year later. Or yeah, something. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a couple weeks. Who knows? It's, uh, yeah, you know, I think it actually is less than a year because it's probably like a pretty fast courtship. They'd already kind of like oh yeah experienced the whole relationship without even being with each other for a long time. Right. Yeah. So they, they get married. They're leaving the church. They're in the cab, and they're gonna go on a, a, a huge vacation, a huge a honeymoon. Nice honeymoon. Yeah. Um, and they got two thousand dollars in cash. And, yes. You know, they're gonna have a party. Yes. <laughs> um. They're going to travel, and this is what George has been waiting for. But it doesn't happen because something is happening with the economy now, and everyone's going on a bank run right. trying to get their cash out. Oh, that's right. I guess because like we, we've kind of messed with the timeline. We keep saying 1946 because that's when the movie was made, but like well, this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. sequence covers like a good 20 years before that. Right. So the Depression has now hit. Yes. Um, and that's when the bank run happens, and uh, they all want their money that they'd put into it. Yep. And, and the building alone isn't like a real bank. Right. They use the money to build homes for people, and you're kind of invested in that as yes. a community. Yes. Um, you can get your money, but it's like it's not like a regular bank. Right. Right. And and he tries to tell them that there's there's just this throng of people in there, and he's you know the, the famous speech about how it you know, your money's in Bill's house and Fred's house and all that stuff. Right. And the organization is going to crumble. Like, it's over for the building and loan. Right. Um, because they're trying to get their, these all these customers are trying to get their money out. They don't have the money right now on hand. And Mr. Potter has uh, offered to give them half of the money that, that they had put in if they come to him right now and then the building and loan can, can you know, Right, yeah. He's like, I'll buy all your, all of your shares for 50 cents on the dollar. Yes. And George tells everyone, like, hey... Mr. Potter is not your friend. Right. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to take over. Yeah. Like, that's what's happening here. Right. He's not your friend saying, I'll give you 50 cents instead of 100. No, he's trying to take it from everyone, take everyone's power and control. You know, even even when he was a kid, we, we skipped over this, but George Bailey knew that Mr. Potter was scum. Yeah. You know, like he when he went into the bank when trying to make that he's supposed to make that delivery for Mr. Gower, mm -hmm. and he went into the bank to like say tell his dad something. He walked into a meeting where Mr. Potter was yes! meeting with the old man, and like he tells him off. He even like pushes him. Yeah, he like punches his arm or something. Oh, it's great, I'm dude. Like, dude, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And it, because he's a little kid, he doesn't have to make nice with Mr. Potter. He can just tell you know like like say exactly what's on his mind. Yep, and. It continues into his adulthood. Mr. Potter, back in that day, had the right to beat his ass yes. with his cane, like until <laughs> he, he yeah. was a bloody pulp. And he and he would have had he had like the the physical wherewithal. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? If he could actually do it, he yes, would have. I'm right. sure he's murdered quite a few children in his and, day. And he's ordered the deaths of countless others. I mean, uh -huh. I mean, because they're all yeah. working in his factories. Oh, you know, God. Yeah. Or you can't afford to pay for your heat. Oh, sorry. You're going to freeze to death. Exactly. Not, can't do anything about it. Can't yep. help you here. Yep. I'm going to go count my money yeah. while you die. And, um, <laughs> dude, <laughs> yes, yes. And that's how the world was and in many ways still is. Yes. Um, and, you know. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Happy holidays. Potter is way worse than Mr. Scrooge. Oh, oh, way worse. You know. He doesn't um, get a comeuppance. No, he doesn't. And he doesn't learn a lesson. Nope. And he doesn't help people. It's a very realistic and important part of the story. Yeah. You know, because yeah. um, in the real world, people like Potter don't get better. 
they stay the same way. <laughs> yes. They just keep getting worse as they get as they'll, they age. They'll, they'll get richer or poorer, yes. but they'll still be an asshole. They'll achieve public office. You know, I, it, it just this kind of this kind you of can stuff aspire happens to every great day. things. Yes. Like right. making policy that hurts people. Jesus, man. <laughs> oh, I uh. God, it, it just this this movie stirs up so many feelings in me. You it's, know, it's, it's a good movie, Dave. It is. It's a really good movie. <laughs> um, so, but like they don't have the money for these people, right? Right. So Mary pulls out the wad of cash. They got two thousand dollars, right? Which we already money. talked about how much five grand was. Yeah, that was two hundred thousand back then. Yeah. So they've got maybe like eighty grand in their pocket, and they start divvying it out to everyone. Like, hey, how much do you need? How much do you need? And the first guy wants $252 because that's what he has in there. Yes. And he won't take any less. And he gets that. And then the next person comes up and George's like, all right, come on. What do you need to get through to like next week? What do you need? Like $20. Okay. Right. And he gives him a 20. He's like, all right, there we go. And then this lady's like, well, I'll take 1750 And he's like, oh my God, I love you. And he kisses her. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And everyone there like starts to understand yeah. like, hey, if we all just take the bit that we need to survive at this moment, we can all survive. Yes. So let's all do that. Yes. This is George's honeymoon money too, which I think everyone does realize because he does say that. Oh yeah. They, they, they know it's not the bank's money. And they do appreciate that. Right. Um, and they have $2 left at the end of it all. And for some reason, if they have money at six o'clock, they're, they're like, won't close. I don't understand how this works. But I, I, Yeah. That, that's yeah. a weird part. Of, I, I guess maybe, maybe that was like the part of the thing with Potter. Like if, if, if by the stroke of six, if by closing time, the, the bank has no money, then, then it's mine, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Right. Right. So. They got $2 left yep. and, you know, they made it, which Pop, is Pop great. the champagne. Pop the champagne, yeah. <laughs> um, they call the $1 mom and the other dollar dad and they need to make lots of babies. <laughs> right. And the one lady says, I wish they were rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> they lock them in the safe for yep. the night, the $2. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's great. Man. Um, and then, like, from here, over the next few years... Uh, George and the building and loan, they they have this housing development. Yeah. Um, and they, they they build essentially like what is uh, kind of out on the outskirts of town, this area, this kind of dirt lot where they put up uh, the, these affordable homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're nice homes that like people would be proud to live in, but they can also like, you know, it's not going to break them either. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, uh, yeah, boy, it's kind of what you dream about. You yeah. Know? Um, just being able to have a, a place that you can like be proud of and um, and really love living in and have a great and have great neighbors who who you also love where you can really build community right and that's unacceptable for Mr. Potter. No, he doesn't like it. No, he doesn't like it one bit. No. He says uh, this Bailey family has been a boil on my neck for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> they, oh, be, no. Like they they prevent him from owning the last fifteen percent of this town. You know. Yeah. I mean, you you got to have more. Yeah, got to have more, man. Um, yeah, because it's it's just not enough to have all you could want. <laughs> Someone else has to have. Someone nothing. else has to lose. Right. I feel like we've talked about that a billion times. I think we have too. Yeah, yeah. and I've counted. And, you know, I I I was really dreading recording this show actually <laughs> because I I I feel like all I do is preach about this nonstop, not just on this show, but yeah. in my everyday life. And you know, I I know that a lot of people are probably sick of hearing me sermonize all the yeah. time but it's like it's lessons that we can't forget and what i what i can't understand about this movie is that like it's so beloved by so many people 
And George Bailey is such a popular American icon. But the lessons the movie teaches haven't been used to affect real change. And people watch this movie or any of the film adaptations of A Christmas Carol. And instead of walking away and realizing they need to start helping people, they go back to worshiping Mr. Potter and emulating him and or enabling him. Yeah. I'll never stop being, I guess, mystified by that. You know? Yeah, the world is... It's a mystery, man. It is. I have no yes. clue. Yes. Um, so Potter's plan to get finally get the Bailey situation under control is right. to hire him. He offers George a job of 20000 a year to work for him and handle his affairs. That's serious money. That's a lot of freaking dough. Yep. That's about two hundred grand. Yeah. So um, George refuses after like maybe a minute of being kind of shocked and thinking about it almost mm-hmm. because it's just a, like a blindside like last ditch effort to get yes. George on his side and George doesn't realize that until after like thinking about it for a second and then he's like I need to talk to my wife about this and then he goes wait a minute no I don't need to talk to anybody screw you man <laughs> and he calls him a spider sitting around in all the little webs that he's spinning <laughs> which is wonderful amazing god and I, like I just watched Home Alone. This is in Home Alone, and it's in French, yes, <laughs> which yes. is great. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, he, that's it. I I love yeah. him, this scene of him dunking on Mr. Potter. Yeah, dude. It once rules. again. I know it's so good. <laughs> I mean, he's just like emulating his twelve year old self. And I misspoke earlier about the 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 the, the twenty thousand dollars salary. I looked it up before oh. we got over. It. It's like three hundred sixty something thousand dollars a year in today's money. Dang, it's big. Um, and yeah, this offer George that Potter makes George is one we see every day. Like someone who works against someone like Potter is given the chance to make themselves very comfortable by mm-hmm. compromising their principles and in the process selling out other people. Right. Um, and a lot of people who run labor unions have been made these kinds of offers. You know, that's how you get corruption in in organized labor. Um, so and I know how hard it is to 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 turn down something this good. You know, yeah. George could like secure wealth and and security for like his family for generations by by taking Potter's blood money. Yeah, you know? he definitely could. And when you do the right thing in, in life, it costs you. It always does. You know, and him doing the right thing in this moment and also telling Mr. Potter off, it costs him. You know, it costs everybody. It does. Especially like with the old house they get and stuff. Like, yep. like I guess right before this, after the bank run. Mary sets up a honeymoon at the old house that they wished oh, on the broken right. windows. Yeah. We, we had to got to cover that. Um, yes. And she gets like a fancy dinner set up, a bed in this old house uh, where she had mentioned she wanted to live at before, like earlier on that date when they were teens. Right, right. Um, so she has George show up here and it's all set up with candles and it's real nice. It's a terrible building. It's leaking and everything. But she says, this is our home, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. And uh-huh. it... It's a great gesture she does for him. Like, hey, she, there's posters up on the wall of, like, exotic locations and yes. things. Because he just wants... They were supposed to travel, and now they're not. And right. So she tries to do this for him to, like, say, hey, it's okay, but we can make the best of things. And, I mean, like, like she was kind of the... Uh the unsung hero of the building and loan savior. Yeah. Because, like, it was her idea to, like, take the honeymoon money and, and you know, uh, disperse it amongst the townsfolk. Right. You know, um, and then she she finds time to see. So she saves the bank and then she finds time to come home and like fix up the house 
in a way that's like special to him. Yeah. You know, uh, it's an amazing gesture. Yeah, it's great. And then time passes from here. I don't know how many years it is, but we see World War II start. Yeah. And uh, they have four kids, George and Mary do. So yeah. it's been like 10 years at least, something right. like that. Um, probably even longer than that. But it recaps yeah. like everything that's happened since then. Yes. Um, like Harry ended up going to war and became a war hero. Yep. Because, I mean, everything George has sacrificed has allowed Harry to succeed in everything he's ever done. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, Harry's I'm had not a great exaggerating life. No, though. Like it really is. It true. really is. He's like, compl- like a totally like Audie Murphy. He's just like everybody's hero. Yeah, know? he's a Mary Sue. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, no, but no, he like, like he was in the war. He, they said that he shot down like 18 aircrafts or something. Like, yes, he did. He's getting the Medal of Honor. Like. Like all they're kind of rattling off Jimmy Stewart's real life exploits in World War II. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, he, he did all that himself. You know, <laughs> right? Which is weird. There's one point where, like, I think um, Uncle Billy even says, "You know, if George would have went to war, he would have done just as good." Yeah, you know, yeah. Which is true, probably. Yeah, George, of course, George would have succeeded anywhere. I know exactly. And and they they during the montage they they show that like you know Mr. Potter like ended up the head of the draft board. Oh my god! And he's just going through people's uh, like files, going one A, you know, like sending everybody to the front lines. Yep. You know, um, doesn't matter. And and like the only thing that kept George out of it, of course, was his his trick ear. Yeah. You know? Um, but you know it was. Back then, too, like if 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 that happened to you, you still had to serve in some way. So you had to like you know go out after work and like collect everything made of tin, uh, or you know uh, rubber yeah. drives and all that kind of stuff. And you know, yeah, yeah. And like Mary was involved with some stuff too. I yeah. can't remember what it was. She had to like cook for the. She had to cook. She had to, like run the USO. Oh yeah, you know yeah, with four kids. With four kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Jeez, man. really amazing. Um, she's a wonderful gal, man. Yes, she is. She's a catch. Yep. Open your eyes, George. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. Um, but yeah. So at this point, like times past, George has been working at the bank and loan nonstop. You know, he's made something out of it, which it was already a thing, but now it's just, it's great now. And, and it's, it's become financially solvent while he's also like, you know, while, him and Mary have created that that uh, that community. Like right. they, they've built up their own house, and then they they built those houses, uh, you know, on the out that in that area. Right. Like it's doing yeah. everything that the building and loan is supposed to do. Right. You know, and and they they've done it totally independently, and they've done it the right way. Right. And um, so at this point, there's a uh, what like a bank examiner who shows up. Yes. He's got to look through their records and yep. stuff to make sure everything's everything's squared. Right. And. Uncle Billy has to make a deposit at the same time too. He's got eight thousand in cash he has to take to the bank and deposit. Um, and for some reason, when he gets to the bank, he sees Mister Potter there in his wheelchair now. And Mister Potter has a newspaper, and he grabs the newspaper because the headline says like Harry Bailey, you know, war hero, Medal of Honor, blah blah blah. And Uncle Billy grabs the paper while he's got the cash in his hand and, like, rubs it in Potter's face. Like, ha-ha, look at this. And then hands the paper back to Mr. Potter, but also accidentally hands him the $8,000 envelope. (sighs) And then doesn't realize he did it. And then when he realizes he doesn't have the money, he can't remember that he did that with Mr. Potter two minutes ago. Uncle Billy... (laughs) is one of the biggest losers in cinema. I, I 
Yeah. And not a sympathetic <laughs> loser. Like, I get so pissed off watching him talk trash to Mr. Potter. Yeah. Thinking he's done something great and then stand back all self-satisfied. And you watch him because you've seen the movie more than once. You know that he's losing the money in this mm-hmm. moment. So you're just watching like his hands to see where the money gets lost. Mm-hmm. And then you see him just absentmindedly wrap it up in the newspaper and then put it in his lap. And it's like, man, that money is everything. It's, it's the business. Right. You hold it in your hand. You don't put it down anywhere. <laughs> no. What are you doing? Yeah, maybe he's drunk again. I mean... He's got to be shit-faced right now. And but he's not acting like it. Oh. And all those critters in his in his office, like the squirrels and the, and the oh woodland creatures. Yes. Uh, there's a raven that just flies around in the bank like loose. Dude. Um, shitting all over the place, probably. I was wondering why that was there. Yeah. It's uh, because Uncle Billy is yeah. bad shit crazy? Exactly. Exactly. He's a nut job, dude. He's just got animals Well, everywhere. that's why they said we can't have him running things. We need George to stay here. Yeah. It was a practical <laughs> It was matter. a good yes. call. It, good it call. Was. Yes. But anyway, now Mr. Potter realizes he has the money and he's not saying a word and he's going to use this to his advantage. Man, and like him taking this money, um, it's about oh, as low as you God. can God, you already hated this guy. Yes. And when he does this, it it just, it solidifies your hatred. Of course, right. If, if, you, if you, you couldn't, you feel like you almost couldn't hate him anymore um, up <laughs> oh until this gosh. moment. And then he does this. Yeah. <laughs> the next step would be like he kills all these animals that yeah, are exactly. Uncle Billy's animals exactly. in cold blood. Yes. yes. Yeah, that would be the next step. Yes. Like, dude, this guy needs to die. <laughs> this guy needs to die. I know. I mean, and you know, honestly, <laughs> he gets away with it. He does. You know, like I said earlier, there's no, he doesn't have to pay anything back. No. He does. He has no comeuppance or anything. It's right. Just, it happened. And and Uncle Billy, this freaking dumbass, like, like starts to like panic at the teller's window. Ugh. Um, and he goes back to, to the building alone and he's like, George is being nice at first. Like, okay, what's going on? You know, yeah. uh, just, just, just talk to me, you know? And he tells him he lost it and he's look, he's searched his office up and down. Um, he can't find it. He doesn't know where it is. Um, and like George at first thinks he's like lost it in the, like in the figures, you know, like he's right, like, looking yeah. through the ledger and like, there's, there's like money missing that way. No, it's literally liquid cash is just <laughs> gone, dude. <laughs> You know, because I dropped it somewhere. And then George is still, still keeping his head level. Like, hey, we're just going to retrace all your steps and we're going to, we're going to go, we'll do everything. So they're walking across the street around town, like trying to find the money and not one second he thinks I left it with Mr. Potter, which makes me so mad, (laughs) but they can't find the money. And then George actually like snaps on him. He's like, I can't believe you did this, you know? Um, he's freaking out. He's like, one of us is going to go to jail for this and it's not going to be me. Yep. You know? Yep. Which George, the most selfless person we've seen ever is, this is one of those moments where the self selfishness does come out, you know, right. where, where he wants to protect himself and do what he wants to do. He's like, I'm not going to jail for this. Y- you will. And, and, and in my, and of course, rightly so in the, in this case, because I mean, like, I mean, there's no way he can get Uncle Billy out of this jam, you know. Um, no, and and he can't get himself out, obviously either. Right. Um. And you know, like when like financial impropriety and like mishandling of funds, um, that kind of thing, fraud. In in you know, he's gonna he's not gonna do a lot of time, but right. You know, his no. life is gonna be ruined yeah. in some way. Yeah. You know, he's gonna do some time for sure. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, so like they're in dire straits now. Yes. Like they they both know it, and George knows it, and he goes home and he takes it out on his family actually right. without telling them what happened, which is. Dumb, dude. Come on. Tell your wife what happened, at least. I mean, if, if he just pulled Mary aside, at least. It, it, right. He, he'd get some relief, too, from, from the stress of it all. Exactly. He's not taking it all on himself. Right. But instead, he, they're at home. They're expecting guests for Christmas. Yeah. And... Because it's Christmas Eve, this, by the way, this, yeah. this, this day. Here's where the Christmas comes right. in, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> God, he comes home. She's got all the food ready. The kids are practicing piano. They're <laughs> they're drawing. You know, yeah. they're just being kids. I know. And hey, I I have kids. I understand. Yeah. When there's four children all hounding you for different <laughs> things at the same time, and you're having a bad day, it's kind of tough to manage that stress. Yes. Um, but you don't have to scream at them, and you don't have to say. I never wanted this house, and why did we have these kids? And I hate everything about my life, in as many words. Um, you don't have to do that. It's heartbreaking <laughs> watching him watching him say these words. I mean, oh. like, uh, you know, why do we have so many kids? And it's just like, oh. And man. then he like even breaks the like models that he builds because yeah. he he wants to build things. He's always said throughout the movie. Like, right. There's a a bridge like a little model. I guess he made it probably. Yep. He smashes this thing in front of the whole family. And that's kind of like the last uh, the last piece of, of his tirade is yes yeah. because I mean like he he'd already like he he yelled at his daughter for practicing piano. He'd had the whole diatribe about, you know, like having so many kids to, and he doesn't want the guests to come over. And this kind of like last part of his, of this outrage is that he destroys all that stuff. And this is when he kind of comes to, to a moment of like, oh my God, you know, what am I doing? Right. And he, he leaves the house. Yeah. After apologizing to, to the wife oh and kids. Oh my God. When he apologizes, then he tells the daughter to keep playing. Yeah. And then he's kind of even mad, like, and yells at her to I know, play. I know. Which is even worse. I Come mean, on, dude. I, look, I, I, it's so crazy because I, I, I went through a similar situation with my dad once. Uh huh. Like, after he screamed at me for something, he tried to make it right, but it was. It it's was too old. late. It was too late. Yeah. I, I I couldn't. I was I was so kind of in shock. I was a little kid, you know. Yeah. And and when when an adult yells at you like that, I mean, like it, it takes a while to come back from it. And I I love that part of of this scene is that like it really that's where the heartbreak comes in because like you're still that little kid. Yeah. And, and you're just like, oh my god, you know, you remember that that horrible feeling you had when when you didn't deserve what you got. Yep. And yeah. Oh man. So yeah, like you said, he he kind of leaves now. Yeah. Uh, embarrassed yep. and hopeless. Um, he goes to Mr. Potter, actually, and asks for the money. He needs help. He's right. not asking for the money Uncle Billy left. He's right. asking Mr. Potter to personally give him eight grand yes. to cover this. And uh, Mr. Potter is so thrilled by this because he rubs it in his face. Yep. You've been so smug for your entire life, and now you're crawling back to me. No, I'm calling the cops. And he also tells George that he's worth more dead than alive because he has an insurance policy that um, is only worth like $500 now, but if he dies, <laughs> it's fifteen grand. Yeah. And when he says that to him, uh, George thinks, hey, there's an idea. Right. Which is the dumbest idea. No. No. No, no. people. Uh, exactly. Um, the, the whole thing of Mr. Potter, like, you know, like lording this over him and, and saying, you know, you, you've been so arrogant and everything. And um, the only way I can defeat this guy, um, I can't beat him intellectually. Mm -hmm. um, I can only like have more money than him. 
Right. And just just like always, it's always in his power to put things right, and he just chooses not to put things right. Yep. You know? And because this guy stood in the way of him owning a building, he's going to let his let his life be ruined. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, and he has the 8,000 on him. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. accessible. Which right makes there. it even worse. It's just like... Man, Mr. Potter, I, I, if, if they ever make any kind of like, if any big entity makes like lists of like the absolute, you know, most terrible villains and move, I mean, he is up there. Oh yeah. He's definitely up there. I mean, he's, I know he's not as fearsome as Anton Sugar, yeah. you know, but like he's a bad guy, yeah. you know, Mr. Potter carries this like cattle gun around, <laughs> dude, no, he did, dude, dude, that'd be <laughs> something. <laughs> George, why don't you put your head right here? <laughs> I'm just picturing him now in those like West Texas landscapes. It's just him. Just, his, just, just his wheelchair. <laughs> He's a psychopathic killer, but so what? Josh Brolin is trying to escape. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, man. Poor Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald, yeah. dude. I was about to say, she's home with the four kids, yeah. you know? <laughs> Wow. Now, oh, y'all this... just practice that piano here. <laughs> nice. Dude. Excellent. Oh, that would be some kind of movie right there. Um, where were we? Oh, okay, man. George is going to yeah. kill himself. Yes. Okay. Yes. Most important. He goes uh, to the bar, the gets movie. drunk. He ends up getting punched in the face by a guy who is there because it's the husband of his daughter's teacher right. who he insulted on the phone during his entire mental breakdown yes, scene. Yes. And man, like this guy, like he he has a righteous cause here. Oh yeah. You know, I mean like like him like th- there's there's so much in this movie that is like uh you know, uh championing the everyman and like this guy's like, "Hey man, school teachers get to take enough shit all day without you calling them up and insulting them." Right. You know? Yep. You're right, dude. I love when they hear the name Bailey. He like perks up he's oh, like yeah. bailey exactly who and he's like oh that's george bailey and he stands up immediately and socks yep. him my wife's at home crying you know it's yeah. like oh i love you're it. dead dude <laughs> <laughs> he, he he probably did deserve that one. Oh, he absolutely yeah. had yeah. it coming yeah. yeah he did so now he crashes his car into a tree because he's shit-faced and driving yes and then he stumbles to a bridge and he's gonna jump into the freezing river Remember we talked about angels and God and <laughs> solar systems and stuff. Now they cut this comes back into play. <laughs> um, Clarence comes down to try to save him. Yes. And instead of George jumping in, Clarence jumps into the river and George still jumps in the river to save Clarence, much yeah. like he did with his little brother at the beginning of the film. Right. Um, he has this just kind of moment of, of realization that, oh, you know, what I was about to do, someone else just did. And he just like, something happens where he just instinctively gets in there to save this guy. That, um, that's how he is. Yep. And then they find themselves, they're, they're, they're like letting their clothes dry on a clothesline inside this, like the, this light lighthouse keepers, uh, like little cabin yeah. area. And, um, the angel Clarence is played by Henry Travers, mm-hmm. um, an excellent performance. And he is exactly the character that, that we all know from, from this kind of story, mm-hmm. you know, who, who's going to show you the way. And to show you the way, he's going to show you how wrong you've been. Right. And the way he's going to do that is to 
uh, show George what it would have been like if he, if he had never been born, because right. that was one of the things he said when he was about to jump in was like, wish he was never, wish I would never been born. Yep. Um, so he's going to show him the world, what the world looks like if that had happened. Right. And George doesn't believe him that he's an angel. Right. Because Clarence is just flat out saying, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm your guardian angel, right. you know, and he, he's telling everyone in town, like, yeah, I'm just an angel, you know, like, <laughs> yes. and no one believes him, right? He's and, like, well, you don't believe in angels, but when you see one, you you don't believe in it. Like, I don't, I don't follow this. He he's being a little weird, a little obtuse about it. You know? He is, yes, uh, that's true. Um, but I I will say though that, that George, that's why he's second class, probably. Well, yeah, he doesn't have like all the the good moves, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But like, um, George, it's, it's my only complaint about the movie is it takes him far too long to get this, to understand. Okay. Like 16 strange things have to happen for him to like finally buy this. That's true. Yeah. Like his car isn't there. Right. He didn't crash the car. Cause this is as if he's never been born. Like the, the butterfly effect of his birth has not happened. Yes. You know, like he has not existed once. Everyone he's ever met hasn't been involved with him. Yep. Like totally nothing. Right, <laughs> right, right. So the car isn't there because that never existed. He never had a car. He was never there. Yep. Uh, he goes to the bar where like uh, Nick works or something. I don't know. Yeah. So he's acting like he knows everyone, but they don't know him. They've never met this guy before. Right. And he sees Violet and like Ernie, like all the other people from the movie. Yes. And they don't know who he is. And, and Bedford Falls is now called Pottersville. Yeah. And it's like Biff Tannen has taken Dude, over. Dude, I'm so glad you brought up <laughs> Biff Tannen because I mean, my God, I, in our episode of Shattered Glass, you know, we, we, we realized it was like almost quaint to think about like integrity and in journalism mm -hmm. um, because look at the world we've made. Uh, we have lived in Pottersville, you and I, our whole lives. <laughs> So there's no need to imagine it. Like, uh, the people who came before us gave up the dream a long time ago, and now we are in Biff Tannen's America, <laughs> just like the people in this movie. Um, like, it's the alternate 1985 exactly. Marty and Doc did not fix things. Yes, that's right. <laughs> 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 yeah and um, this whole thing in the bar where, where he's like roughed up by by like nick and the other uh, -huh, uh, yeah. uh bar flies it's so crazy watching jimmy stewart just get his ass handed to it's him great you know? <laughs> yeah i love it the the bartender says clarence wants like a, a fancy drink or something yes and the bartender's like we serve hard drinks for men who want to get drunk quick <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like holy cow man <laughs> man dude <laughs> like this is some like 1800 saloon you know yeah. <laughs> and it's it's weird because it's like uh, a bar bars as i know them or as, as i remember them don't really exist anymore like not like this no not like this it's, no it's all very fancy and and very uh very cosmopolitan a lot like, of it is yes. i mean you can find dive bars but right. they're they're th so rare yeah like exceedingly so um, you don't the, find smoke-filled bars like this ever anymore. Oh, you, know? you can't find smoke in a bar. No, at least in America. No, exactly. Um, God, I I went into a bar and they did let you smoke in it uh -huh. like not too long ago. Right, I'm like because I know there's some people holding out. They're like, yes. I'll pay the fine. I don't <laughs> yeah, care. You know? Exactly. But like I went in, I was like, oh man. Yeah. This is what it used to be like. Yeah, Woo! I know. Well, when you haven't experienced it in a long time, then yeah. you're like, oh, God, that's what it smelled like. And I used to, When I used to go to concerts back in the day, like yeah. it was just like smoke and noise. Right. That was it. Right. I, I would come home from a concert, and I would have to shower before going to bed. Yes. Because I had a an inch layer of... I know. From the smoke. <laughs> There's like a yellow... Uh, like. Uh, 
layer of filth on <laughs> yes, you. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's gross. Um, and so, yeah, George is like, all right, so Biff took over because I didn't <laughs> exist. Potter is Biff in this case, I guess. Oh, man. And, like, he, he like, goes to his mom's house. She doesn't recognize him. And, like, Harry is dead because no one was there to save him when he was a child. I mean, his and, gravestone, yeah, just says, like, you know, 1911 to 1919, yep, you know, yep. Harry Bailey. That's, like, it's just. He yep. the little kid drowned in a sledding accident. Yeah, because uh, wow. he never existed. Man. At age nine. Wow. And now now Mary is an old maid who works oh, at the library and man. has a horrible life. She is not all that, Dave. <laughs> she was a stupid bet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Man. And <laughs> I wouldn't want anything to do with this woman now. Yeah, exactly. Never. No way. Nobody would touch her. I mean, my God. So this is the last straw. Like, George realizes finally, I, I just want to go back. I need to go back. Like, I miss my wife and kids, and I miss everybody. And I, I kind of get, get it now. I yeah. get it. My life was important, even though I didn't do exactly what I wanted to do. I served a greater purpose. Yes. And it was worth living. Yes. So he goes back to the bridge, and Clarence has, like, ditched him. And he's at the bridge, and he's like praise like please god let me live again and then that's when he comes back yes um the cop i think his name is his name's ernie there's bert and ernie in I'm the sorry, movie yeah, did ernie's you notice the that cab driver bert's yeah. the cop yeah, yeah. and <laughs> like the, the 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 people behind sesame street claim that it was just a coincidence really yeah they, they, I, they, I they didn't buy it at i don't all. buy it at all I, and yeah. i mean like because i mean it just couldn't be there's no way that's an accident you know <laughs> not at all but uh the cop shows up and it's like, hey, George, what are you doing? You know, and snaps him out of it. Right. Uh, then this is where you get the scene of him running through the streets of Bedford Falls saying, Merry Christmas, everyone. He's, yep. he's so elated that he's back and he's happy to see everyone. So he runs back to his house <laughs> and the family's there, you know, and he's so happy to see them all again. He's kissing them all. There's even like on the stairs, there's like the Newell post or whatever yeah. is loose. Yeah. And he. Throughout the whole movie, it's just frustrated him, and he sees it, and it falls off, and he kisses it and pushes it back <laughs> in the place, which I love. Um, and Mary has now found out about what's happened with right. the money, and she's they've invited everyone from town to come help. They have a big table set up, and everyone from town comes into their house with money, and they start piling it up on this table, and George is just so happy to see how what... He, he has done for these people has affected them. Yes. And now he's actually getting something for it now. Right. Which which is nice. They're they're all helping the way he was helping. Yes. He's he's finally being rewarded for his for his generosity. And um even before like the, the people came over, I love that moment where he where he's after he kisses his wife and kids and everything, he, he sees like the bank examiner and, and the, the police. And he's like, oh, you're here to take me to jail. Great. Right. You yeah. know, <laughs> he's so excited about just life in general. Right. He's so uh, happy. Yes. And, and it's just one by one. Like you said, everybody, everybody in the town keeps coming up and like offering him and giving him stuff. Even like the, the bank examiner and the cops, they, they yeah. even donate to the kitty. Yeah. It's um, great. And they rip up the like arrest warrant or yes, whatever. And yes. The guy from 
from earlier who wanted two hundred fifty-two dollars. Yep. He gives him two hundred fifty-two dollars. Exactly. It's great. So cool. And it actually gets me teared up a little. Oh, dude. I was. It really I, does. I, I sat there like like trying to choke it back. You know, because yeah. I mean, I'm just like sitting there going, "Oh my god, he's this sitting is so there great. like next to Donna Reed, and he's holding the, his yeah. little daughter. Yeah, and like the expression on his face of gratitude when when the money like from all the help. Yeah. Uh, it just it chokes me up. He's got that big, that beautiful smile, yeah. you know, and and like yeah, he's holding Zuzu and and uh, you know, <laughs> who names their kid Zuzu? Is it Pazuzu? No, like it's not. what is this? Oh, it's short for Pazuzu, dude. I know, right? <laughs> That's why the gods are pissed. That's exactly, man. He's <laughs> worshiping the devil. <laughs> I guess the timeline works too, actually, because like when when Zuzu grows up, that's what she's gonna do. She's gonna go to the Washington and start haunting a little girl. Oh yeah, man. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that that's like the end of the movie, right? Well, yeah. Um, because like, and the very last thing is is when he acknowledges, you know, like when when Zuzu says, you know, like oh the bell rings, and she's like, oh my oh, teacher yeah. says that every time you know an angel, a uh, uh, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Yeah. And he hears it, and he looks down at the the piece of paper that that, that like Clarence left him, yeah. you know. And he says, he says, "Atta boy, Clarence." And you yep. know, he hears it, and um, and yeah, it, it just it's it's the absolute happiest ending and the most earned happiest ending you could ever have. Yeah, um, it's it's so great. <laughs> if anyone earns something like this, yes. it's George Bailey. <laughs> you got it exactly. George Bailey has been put through some stuff, and he's now put his family through some stuff, and. Like their reward is like they've built an amazing community. Yeah, and I mean you got to give it up to Mary too. Yep. I keep joking about how she's a psycho, and she's not. <laughs> of course not. She's not. not. She's, she's making jokes. She's almost just as selfless as George. She's is. so she great. sacrifices everything for the family for George, and she knows he's in trouble. She goes to everyone in town and yep. says, "We need help." Right. You know, just like when she pulled out the honeymoon money. Yep. Her first instinct was, "We're spending this to help people." Right. She does the same thing for him here in the end. Right. She's a, she's a total hero. She and George are perfect for each other. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she's a total hero, man. Right. Um, whew. Yep. And Mr. Potter just gets away scot-free, apparently. Dude, and, you know, like, you know? When, when George was running through the town going, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Like, like Mr. Potter's like, yeah, oh, yeah, Merry Christmas in jail. Yeah, it's right? Like, Fuck off, old man. I know. Oh, he just... <laughs> man. And he's like working at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve, just like Mr. Scrooge. Yeah. You know, um, but there's no Bob Cratchit to, to, you know, like help him out of his. Yeah, there's no dead Tiny Tims. <laughs> exactly. There's yeah. dead Harry's. There's that's there's dead Harry Bailey's. In the alternate timeline. That's true. You know, yeah. and it wouldn't have affected Mr. Potter. No. You know, he wouldn't have given it a shit. He wants them all dead. Yes. Yes. Or working in his factories. That's probably preferable for yes. him because he'd make more money. Of course. But anyway, the, the the ending of the movie is a happy ending. It's yes. uh yes. <laughs> it's very it's very touching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, anything else, Dave? Uh just a few things. Yeah. Um you know, I've I've gotten very fed up in general with, you know, is this a Christmas movie or is it not? Just, you know, in general, yeah. like not just this movie but others. Um if you think it is, then it is. <gasps> You know? Wow, there's a thought. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. If it's part of your yearly tradition, then enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, um, same with Die Hard. Can, can you, know? you say that? Like, okay, so what if someone's like, you know what? I'm going to watch Saw on Christmas. Um, and and now that's my Christmas movie. 
I'm not coming to that person's house, <laughs> you know, but if they want to watch Saw, then that's okay. Okay. So that's a Christmas movie to them. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, the other thing I just wanted to touch on was that uh, um, it's it's kind of in line with, with what we're going to talk about like uh, next year a little bit on one of our, our do- upcoming documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was investigated and reported on by Hoover's FBI. Gotta um, love it. They identified a, quote, malignant undercurrent and said that the filmmakers employed, quote, common tricks used by communists to inject propaganda into the film. Uh, The tricks that that were in the characterization of Mr. Potter, they attempted to, like, smear American values by depicting depression and desperation. They made a, quote, subtle attempt to magnify the problems of the so-called common man in society. Um, (laughs) my God, you know, and the Bureau, they gave their report to the House on American Activities Committee and the HUAC didn't do anything with it. They actually spit on it. Good. Which is like the only intelligent decision they ever made. (laughs) Um, and just like all the other like anti-establishment groups that Hoover spied on, it's very telling that his first instinct was to investigate and silence people instead of like asking themselves, well, why would they make this argument? You know, yeah. um, is the common man actually suffering? Uh, maybe we should talk to some people. No, we need to snuff them out utterly. Exactly. It's, um, wow. Right, I, I, right. I, when I read about this, I was just like, it's a wonderful life was on like some kind of like <laughs> subversives list. I can't believe this was addressed <laughs> yeah. to HUAC. Yes, like, this exactly. is insane. Amazing. You know? <laughs> Good movie. Yes, yes. A, a well done movie. Actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. like they, they've. This is a great film, and th- that it was on Hoover's radar makes it even better. Right. You and uh, thankfully, now it's it's on the AFI 100. Yes. Right. Yes. So, and is it in the uh, Congress Museum? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So, yeah. The national. Yeah. The uh, yeah. Library of Congress for yeah. being culturally uh, or aesthetically significant. Yes. yes. It's in there. All right, Dave. So would you recommend it? Oh, yeah. A full-throated recommend. It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody should see this movie. Yep. It's excellent. Everyone watch it. Watch it a couple times. Yes. Watch it every year at any time of the year. It doesn't matter. Right. So. And I should. And I also need to say, this is my wife's favorite movie. Oh, is it now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Shout out to Debbie. Yes. All right. Cool. All right. So that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate it. Review it. And most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And you can go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, and we're on Facebook, Blue Sky, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right, Dave. We have a question of the week. What is the question of the week? Uh, The question of the week is, what are the best movies about alternate timelines? There you go. And stay tuned next week when we kick off Dudes on Demand. We still have time to get some requests in, but the gates are closing soon, so hurry up. Uh, But our first request comes from Xavier. He wants us to do 1995's Before Sunrise, directed by Richard Linklater and starring Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. Dave and I love this movie. So good choice, Xavier. Yes. All right. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time.